Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The world and the Middle East have followed with interest and curiosity the political drama unfolding in Israel, but no factor nor actor stood still until the parties in the parliament, or Knesset in Hebrew, made up their minds regarding the country's governmental fate. The same forces impacting Israel's security problems and policies are still here. The Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank, Hezbollah, of course, in Lebanon, Iran with its nuclear quest, and the forces and proxies it is deploying in Syria and elsewhere. The American gradual withdrawal from the area and the Russian and Chinese advance into it. How does Israel, under new management, intend to face this complex security situation? To further analyze this topic, we're joined from central Israel by... Colonel in Reserve Miri Eisen, who is an Israeli public diplomacy, security and intelligence expert at the Institute for Counterterrorism at IDC Herzliya. Thank you for joining us. Shalom. Shalom. And also joining us from central Israel is Dr. Uzi Arad, who is the former Israeli National Security Advisor and Mossad Division Chief. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Hello. And with me here in the studio is our TV7 analyst and host of Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on Israel's current state of affairs in light of the latest developments. So the new government uh, has uh, eight uh, political parties um, in it um, or supporting it. And uh, if they all had uh, their uh, wish, they would have gone on vacation right now. They worked very hard to uh, cobble together uh, this uh, construction, and um, they wouldn't like to start uh, working immediately. But of course, it's out of their hands. And their second choice uh, would be to be reactive rather than proactive. They are not going to come up uh, with any initiative anytime soon because they cannot. Uh, of course, they have uh, different positions, sometimes polar uh, positions, they are far apart, and they would wait for other actors to set the agenda for them. Luckily enough for the nation and for the new government, there is nothing urgent, nothing press, uh, pressing, no crisis right now. It's quite unique in Israel's history for a new government to come in and not uh, having to immediately take care of uh, the aftermath of some war or some other uh, urgent uh, business. But soon enough, someone, somewhere, will challenge the government to respond, be it Iran or uh, a new deal between Iran and uh, uh, some world powers, uh, a new JCPOA or some other uh, form of a deal, uh, perhaps uh, Hezbollah, perhaps Hamas. Uh, there will be an event in the Palestinian Authority, such as the passing of Mahmoud Abbas or uh, some revolt by Fatah factions. The, uh, the scenarios are, are endless. And then eventually what we will have to see, and of course, Dr. Arad is uh, an excellent um, expert witness on that, we will have to see the decision-making mechanism. 
employed by this government. Obviously, they will appoint a new head for the national security staff, a new national security advisor, but they will also have to find a way in the cabinet to have all major parties' chiefs join in the discussion. It is not going to be left to the prime minister, the alternate prime minister, who is also the foreign minister, and the defense ministers. All the rest will uh, have to be equal parties. Indeed. Uh, Dr. Arad, I'd like to start with you. In, in your perspective, what is Israel's current prime challenge in light of the recent developments? And what should uh, the government focus on if you were to advise it to? Well, I think that uh, there should be some recognition on the part of the incoming administration that the situation in the Middle East is more precarious than meets the eye. And this has to do, of course, because of the multiplicity of potential flashpoints, each and one of them being unstable on its own terms. Uh, the, the Hamas situation in Gaza, we've all seen the problem, and the problem remains. Uh, but the Hezbollah is, is uh, a bit disquieting. Events taking place with Iran elsewhere in the region uh, and uh, in Syria, uh, the disquiet with the Palestinian uh, citizens of Israel and, of course, the Palestinians on the West Bank, each and one of those theaters is not really stable. But the thing that should be most ominous is what uh, Secretary Blinken said the other day, that uh, uh, that Iran is edging closer and closer to a breakout point, which makes the, the latent uh, uh, possibility of, uh, of a march or possible uh, drift to, towards a nuclear capacity on the part of Iran uh, a not distant option. Now, Israel has to concentrate its uh, entire wits and means to decide what to do in the face of such eventuality. It also has to get its act together with the United States. So altogether, uh, these are the, the persistence of those flashpoints and the possibility of their erupting uh, together or one by one is, is quite urgent. And that, I think, should shape uh, the agenda for the new administration. They'll have possibly to conduct a few policy reviews to see whether Israel should pursue along the lines that the previous administration has gone. And the reason for possible review is because of the policies up to now have not been completely successful. Indeed. Colonel Eisen, your view on this? I'm worried about miscalculation. When I say the term miscalculation, it's both on our new administration here in Israel, but also on the way that these different countries and entities around us understand what this new administration is. Let's put the, you know, what we all understand on the table. The new prime minister, the new alternate prime ministers, neither one has ever been in such a position. One was a minister of finance, one was a minister of defense. Both have been in the security cabinet, but there is a heavy weight in decision-making being at the front of the table. What they agreed on is on all of the issues that don't have to do with our arena. 
They have to do with domestic Israel. The points that they put together, that they said that they were going to address in a positive way, was about domestic Israel. But what can I tell you? The Middle East has a tendency to come and bite you even when you don't want to be bitten. And the miscalculation that can happen there is that any of these actors from the outside, Hamas, that has a bigger voice, Hezbollah with Hassan Nasrallah, let alone any of the further away actors and Iran at the forefront, will view this new administration in Israel as being weak and will think erroneously that they can take advantage of this for their own um, you know, nefarious ideas. And this worries me a lot. How will this new administration be able to project both stability and strength and deter those enemies of Israel out there? Mr. Olgan, I'd like to touch on two words. One is review. The other one is miscalculation. Uh, the first thing uh, that, uh, of course, comes to mind is the American posture review. Uh, its various deployments across the globe, pivoting from the Middle East eastward towards the South China Sea and dealing a lot more uh, concretely with the whole great power competition. On the other hand, we still have plenty of forces in this region who intend to exercise their end goal, their malign activities are robust throughout uh, uh, the entire Middle East and beyond. And uh, Israel, of course, is within that mix of trying to understand where the red lines, what it should do. Of course, there is continuity between uh, uh, the person holding the defense portfolio in the previous administration to the current one here in Israel. Uh, speaking, of course, about Defense Minister Benny Gantz, who already was in Washington. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, meeting with his uh, counterpart, Lloyd Austin, with uh, the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, and uh, Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. But at the same time, when we really look into uh, the, the strategic coherence of Israeli foreign policy, uh, it is aligned predominantly with American interests, but also has uh, pivoted here and there towards uh, interests on the financial sector with China, with Russia, and elsewhere. Is this now the time for Israel to start looking to align itself with American foreign policy wholeheartedly and cut its losses uh, on multiple fronts that may uh, or may not have uh, consequences thereof? And, of course, miscalculation. To what degree are we expected to see a continuation of thwarting Iranian smuggling of weapons, entrenchment in Syria, dealing in Lebanon, Yemen, of course, to the south, and the Gaza Strip proper. Yes, uh, in one word, yes, there will be a continuation of uh, these policies, um, uh, partly because the uh, Israeli Defense Forces, uh, with its uh, planning mechanisms, uh, its intelligence capabilities, and its uh, organizational prowess, usually sets the tone. Of course, it doesn't make policy. It drafts recommendations. But uh, if the cabinet uh, does not come up with some other uh, policy directive, they uh, approve what uh, the military uh, suggests. Now, ideally, um, the last two and a half months uh, since the elections, which is uh, exactly the time that in the United States, the transition is taking place, the incoming administration uh, would have uh, uh, taken care 
of reviewing uh, uh, the situation, coming up with its own policy, and being able to uh, uh, start its work uh, quite uh, assuredly. But this has not been the place. First of all, the makeup of the government was not certain until the last moment. And the government will have to hit the ground running. Uh, we don't know who uh, the uh, key officials um, in uh, the sub-cabinet uh, positions will be. And they will have to review the situation and um, decide whether uh, to uh, deviate from the previous uh, line. They will not on uh, the issue uh, which you mentioned, uh, the uh, Iranian efforts in Syria, in Yemen, in Iraq, uh, hostile uh, actions and intentions against Israel. But let me bring up another point which was mentioned uh, here earlier uh, by Uzi. There is now uh, no dividing line between the front and the rear, and I'm not talking about the Iron Dome uh, batteries, which was one reason Minister Gantz went to Washington. He wanted to replenish the depleted uh, reserves of um, missile defense which Israel expanded during the campaign in Gaza. And, of course, people should be uh, always reminded that Israel is dependent on the $4 billion annually, which the United States supports it for its defense. People tend to forget it. They take it as a given, but it is not. And there are strings attached. No, I'm talking about what happened with Israeli Arabs who have taken to the streets when the campaign in or against Gaza uh, was taking place. And yes, there is uh, now an Arab party as part of the coalition, and the Arab population wants to take part in the game. The Knesset has 120 members, not 105, not 110, as people tended to believe because they shunned the Arab parties. But we have to be uh, ready that if there is another conflagration in the West Bank, in Gaza, in Lebanon, the Israeli Arab population will be a factor. Indeed, uh, Dr. Arad, how do you view this? Uh, of course, the domestic issue is uh, a point of concern for uh, the the incoming leadership, the, the uh, various uh, people who maintain their various positions in the various secure, uh, security establishment uh, components of the state of Israel, uh, seeing this as the number one issue at this stage, uh, rather than uh, the far uh, arch adversary called Iran or, or other uh, factors that may challenge the state of Israel, but ultimately domestic issues have precedence. How do you see the current government dealing with this? Of course, it still is quite fragile because there are various forces that try to uh, somehow diminish uh, the integration of uh, Arab society into Israel. Well, you know, this, uh, this presentation of uh, the national agenda makes you think, why was such a strong urge on the part of the various contenders for power to assume power? Uh, realizing that what is awaiting them are almost impossibly difficult problems, both on the domestic side and on, uh, on the foreign side. 
you know, at one point reference was made to Netanyahu practicing scorched earth policy, living behind, possibly living behind uh, things in ruins. That may be or may not be the case, but what is clear is that the problems, the nature and scope of the problems currently on the agenda is inordinately complicated in all aspects. Now, let us not talk about the civilian problems domestic, although uh, I'm not sure that the government is fully aware how difficult the problems are. Uh, the language used by the leadership is that we will get back to work, things like that, slogans of that nature. But in fact, what is awaiting the government is uh, conducting serious, serious reforms in order to stop the decline in certain sectors. The economic problems remain, labor problems and employment remain, our educational system is wanting. So there are plenty of domestic issues that need complete reform and a turnaround policy, which to do requires much uh, national effort. But then moving into the foreign policy areas, or even this issue of, on the domestic side, so to speak, the Israeli Arabs, this is also, to the surprise of some, is now coming to the fore in its most complicated form of the dilemma. Because at one point, uh, the thought was whether the country should pursue uh, an active negotiating process, possibly along the lines of, say, a two-state solution. But then uh, the composing, the parties which compose the government are not of the same view here. So the tendency was to keep those issues dormant for a while and not embark on major uh, initiatives because there is no common ground between the two flanks of uh, the future coalition. But then the problem now is presenting itself differently. And that is the role of the Arabs of Israel and the extent to which one should pursue a policy of integrating them as full-fledged citizens of Israel, or in light of some sobering uh, lessons of what had transpired during those disturbances of last month, have some questions about the desirability and then searching, if this is the case, a policy of further, uh, of further distancing uh, to the possibility, for example, of going to solutions that would concede uh, Israeli-held uh, territories now uh, because of large segments of Arab population. That dilemma may now surface uh, in full force and, and probably torment uh, the current uh, coalition. And that is a domestic issue, but it goes to the very bottom of uh, issues of national security, national identity, and it is very much divisive. But it is not only divisive politically. There is lack of clarity among many which policy should we pursue in light of lessons learned. I myself am, am not of a of definite idea, and that would be a major dilemma that would have to be addressed. Finally, mm -hmm. even if those domestic issues come to the fore and one would like to uh, address them first, uh, I still think that there is urgency in what is now being stated, as I said, by Secretary Blinken about the closeness of Iran being to a point that may confront us with another dilemma to preempt or not to preempt 
That is the question. And we will indeed touch on this question, but I'd like also to hear your point on this, Colonel Ising. I'm very disturbed in the way that we frame the issue of the Arab citizens of Israel. I want to share why I'm disturbed for a moment with all of the viewers, because think of the terminology that we've been using in this small discussion of the four of us. Do we call them Arab citizens of Israel? Do we call them Palestinians with Israeli citizenship? Do we talk about the fact that it's over, it's heading into 2 million, 1.78 million people who were born in Israel, equal citizens, and yet we're all aware, and I'm not saying this is a good thing, but I am happy that there's awareness that there is a challenge in the aspect of discrimination, of their being part of society. Of course, it's against the law to discriminate, and yet they haven't ever been part of the ruling part of Israel because they shunned it, but also inside Israel at the end, we do have this challenging balance. So I don't want it to be dichotomic. I don't want it to be either or. I don't want it to be they have to choose or in that sense that I have to choose. Being Israeli is a complex identity. I want for a moment to be Pollyanna. For the first time in Israel's history, we have at least one Arab Muslim party choosing to participate in the coalition, to be part of it in the dialogue, and not the patronizing, I, the government, will now come and talk to 20% of the population. And I think that hopefully it offers a different dilemma. Are they going to be citizens of Israel with a multiple identity? They have a Palestinian background and heritage. Do they want to be part of an Israeli state? Or as Uzi said, part of a future Palestine, if there would be such a thing. These are huge issues, but for the moment, we need to incorporate them. Indeed. Well, I'd like to touch on uh, the latter point, actually, of uh, Dr. Arad, and uh, I'd like to quote uh, the Director General of the International Atomic Energy Agency, Rafael Mariano Grossi, who said the following after a Board of Governors meeting that was held in Geneva uh, early last week, and he said as followed, uh, it is serious because we have a country, in reference to Iran, that has a very developed and ambitious nuclear program, which is enriched, uh, enriching at very high levels, enriching uranium at very high levels, very close to, uh, to weapon grade. Uh, he said also uh, before that, that uh, the issue that he has currently in, in this uh, whole story is, quote, it has to do with trust. This is where everything you do with any country is interconnected. If you're going to put faith and trust on declarations, on statements, on intentions, and also from the other side on their uh, probing ambitions, well, there has to be trust. And for me, the road to trust goes through information, clarification, inspection, and transparency, full transparency. Mr. Owen, what can you tell us? We don't have very much time left, but this is a key challenge, of course. Uh, the, the nuclear component of Iran, if attained, uh, it would be free to roam with impunity and uh, advance its uh, interests uh, quite more aggressively than what it already does right now. Well, the enriched uranium is, of course, only one of three components or three tracks 
uh, to uh, the bomb. Uh, you have to weaponize it, and uh, you have uh, to uh, uh, perfect uh, the missile, uh, uh, which is supposed to carry the warhead. And uh, Israeli intelligence uh, has uh, set um, two years as its estimate. Military intelligence as opposed to the Mossad. Yes, but military intelligence sets the tone uh, uh, in Israel. So yes, this is a problem. Secretary Blinken mentioned it because he's trying to lay the ground for an announcement regarding a deal with Iran, because this is how uh, they are going to stop this race towards the bomb. But because uh, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, has Iran as his pet project or obsession, you may say, he's going to uh, wage a Churchillian fight against the government. He will fight it on the beaches and everywhere else and nibble at its ankles on Iran as well as on settlements. We are going to see disturbances, uh, private initiatives everywhere. So the government is going to have a lot, a lot of work on its plate. Unfortunately, we have a minute uh, reserved for each of you. Dr. Arad, your take on this, do you share the same opinion? Well, yes, I think that Amir is right. And on top of all the problems that will present themselves for the new government, uh, in light of what Amir just said, they also can expect a very, very tough opposition coming from Netanyahu, making their choices and and uh, decisions even more difficult because he will probably take a posture that would be very challenging and will put the existing government on the defensive. I don't envy them. Colonel Eisen. The first 100 days are going to be impossible. I am not looking forward to the summer of 2021. Well, unfortunately. First 100 days, first 100 minutes, they will not have a single moment of respite. But they asked for it. These are professional politicians. They are going to fulfill their ambitions for Naftali Bennett before the age of 50 to reach the coveted title, not only the position, but the title of prime minister of the state of Israel is really beyond his wildest dreams. And now uh, we are going uh, to wake up into the uh, gray mornings of everyday work. Uh, it will be very difficult, but also very interesting. And it will make for uh, more discussions here uh, in our panel. Indeed, alas, uh, we have plenty of security challenges to discuss and analyze uh, in the near future. And to do so, we are looking forward to having also our distinguished panelists uh, return to us and uh, do so uh, accordingly to the, the reality on the ground. So I'd like to take this opportunity to thank uh, Dr. Arad, Colonel Eisen, for being part of today's panel. I'd like to thank our TV7 analyst, Mr. Amir Oren, and I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.